Welcome to the Real Estate Entrepreneurs Podcast. Welcome to the Real Estate Entrepreneurs Podcast. Today we have a friend from the Houston area. This is probably the second time he comes to the, is it the second or the third time? I think it was the first one was a two-parter. Yeah, we did a two-part because that was a long podcast. Mr. Rick Bressler, thank you so much for coming in, brother. Hey, it's a pleasure, man. It's a pleasure. Hey, guys. So this guy's legit, man. He's um he's a great friend from Houston, like I said before. He's in the lending business, um, but he was also in the oil and gas business for many years, a W-2 guy. And yeah. now you, you run a fund where you do your private money lending, but you also have nationwide uh, lending now. Yep. This yeah. is something you didn't have before when, when I first met you. Exactly. When we started off, we were just local private money lenders, and now we're doing everything from A to Z. So we do the private money. We can do hard money, fix and flip loans, ground-up construction, multi multifamily loans. In almost every state, there's like five states we can't lend in, mostly because you got to have brick and mortar to, to be able to do deals in those states. Right. So um, we were... So we're investors lending to investors. Right. So you know you understand the business and everything that an investor goes through in order to get a loan and all that, right? Yeah. So I started flipping probably yeah. a year still in high school. Yeah, maybe. Uh, I maybe. started flipping back in 85. Right. Oh, yeah, that's I, all no, I, did. I was not in high school. I was in, in uh, elementary. In elementary, <laughs> yeah. So we, I started flipping back in 85 as a side hustle. <clears throat> Which I recommend people, that's how they should start. That's how I started too? You, start, you just can't jump in and start doing real estate. It's too yeah. hard. It's uh, hard, yeah. But I started doing that until uh, after the um, 08 you know, crash. I was just blessed enough to be out of the market at that point. And then I backed the truck up and reloaded after the, uh, after the crash when we had the greatest discounts ever. <laughs> and wow. Then, and, um, and it was at that point that we started lending. Um, Back then, so I started lending in 2013. 2017, we formed KD Capital, so KD Capital Investments. And then um, when the non-QM loans start hitting the street, we jumped in on that. And that's been the best thing since sliced bread for investors, those who can't get conventional financing. Man, I wish wish those loans were around in 2016 and 17. They, I think they were starting to they just to, to come, to come out, out. Yep. Uh, but the rates were horrible because um, we were working at the time with uh, Corbest Financing, mm-hmm. and they still had a lot of red tape. Even the local banks here had a lot of red tape. Um, and I remember I was trying to refi portfolios of 20 houses at a time, and man, I had to jump through hoops to do it. You know, it wasn't easy. And and then they will order um, appraisals, and they will order all kinds of things. And sometimes the appraiser wouldn't help you. You know, he will do like he'll he'll give you some crazy evaluation on the property that you're like, where do where do you come up with this? Um, and that's one of the main reasons why I didn't like um, the landlord getting into the landlord portion of it is because the banks were a problem. Um, and at that time, I, 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 know if, I don't know if you remember. No, it was actually after we did that podcast together. That podcast was somewhere around 2018, uh, the one we did together, yeah. that you came to the office in Rosenberg. Yep. Um, in 2017, early 2017, I had two business partners 
And those two guys is with, with the ones we, we had all those properties with. Well, they were W two guys from from the oil and gas, and I bought them out. So part of, uh, part of the 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 deal was that they were gonna keep all those properties that were already rehab and rent it, and I was keeping the properties that were under rehab moving forward. Uh, but so we were refinancing all these loans because we had it all on private money. And, and yeah, it, the banks were giving us troubles. Now, if that would have been today, oh, that would have been an easy deal. It, it, a, a, a walk in the park, you know? Yeah. Getting financing today is so easy compared to, to back then. Yeah. You know, our loans, you know, the, the marketing's got them as, you'll hear them as DSCR loans. Mm -hmm. You'll hear them as FICO loans, bank statement loans, uh, no, no income, no tax loans. They're all, they're all the same thing, but they're yeah. basically, they're, they're non-QM loans. Uh, they all have to what this, can you define what non-QM means? Because I know what it means, but a lot of our people may say non-QM. What the hell is that, right? Yeah. So I mean, it stands for non-qualifying mortgage, but basically think of it as non-conventional. Okay. Conventional loan, you're going to need full docs. You're going to have to have three years tax returns, pay stubs. You're going to have to meet debt to income ratios, and you're going to be capped at 10 loans uh, for a person. Right. So even then, the guys who got a lot of houses, after they hit 10, they got to go somewhere else. Yeah, that's the Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. Fannie Mae and uh, Freddie Mac, yeah. right? So then you, you know, then there was the banks. But banks don't like doing 30-year fixed. Banks will give you a 20-year AM with yes. a five-year balloon. Correct. Most of them. There's some of them. but you know, That's a, what I had with Lone Star. A bunch of 20, 20 years with five-year balloons. Right. So, that, um, so that's kind of, that payment's kind of expensive. Yes. Um, but with the... With the non-conventional, all you need is a decent FICO. If you're over 700, no problems. 680s, okay, you're just not getting quite as good stuff. Right. Down to 620, but you know when you get below 680, the leverage you can get is not as great. Right. You maybe get 70% instead of 80%. Right. And your interest rate's gonna be higher. So you're just not getting as good of a loan. I think 70% is still good, man. Like. Because, uh, you know, if you're pulling 80% out of a property and the market corrects for some reason, um, you may be under the water at some point. You could be. Yeah, yeah last last year, if you did 80%, like I, some, I refinanced some of my properties. I, didn't, I should have done them all. Um, so I feel the pain of everybody who didn't. Got but it. I was refinancing mine at 3.49%. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's 30 crazy. years, right? That's crazy. So it was a no-brainer. You, you, you didn't even think about interest only back then. You did 30-year fixed, and your purchasing power was so much more. Right. Now rates have doubled. What's, why? Why Can you explain them why they doubled? Like why, why last year we had 3-point-some percent interest rates, and today we're somewhere around 5 and 6? All right. So we were – COVID was um, a little bit of a blessing. The, um, we were printing so much money. But the way the government gets the money out there is they're buying bonds, right? They were buying eighty uh, billion dollars a month bonds. Wow. So the bond market basically had had no returns because the government was 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 buying all these bonds. And so the the um, I, I got a little slide here. I just kind of um, oh I didn't bring that one, but um, so the trade yeah the interest rates mirror the bond market. You can look at the five, 10 year treasuries yields. They were down around zero. So if you were on a conventional loan, 
you were getting in the twos. Got it. Right? Um, for, for us, we could get investors down to 3.49. Well, since then, they've gone from just off of zero to, I think this morning, you know, we had, I'm not sure when people are going to be hearing this, but, you know, uh, inflation reports came out this morning a little bit higher than before. So it's not stabilizing. It's not going down. It's going up. But the market's tanking. It was down like 800 points. And the treasuries were up. The, uh, all, you know, the highest they've been in like the last five, six years. That means rates are going to go up again some more because the, there's about a one one and a half percent differential between the, the treasury yields and the interest rates. Right. Because these markets get bundled and they get sold as mortgage-backed securities to the bond market. Got it. So that's, you know, so the other thing with inflation right now, everyone knows that $100 next year at this rate, maybe worth ninety dollars today, right? Or it can be worth ninety dollars, right? So that could be worth the, worth the same. These guys are they're buying these mortgages. No, there's two things. They know that people are going to want to refinance once this is over. But it takes about three years for the hedge funds who are to break even on the on the cost they pay for the for, for these mortgages. So if we start refinancing two three years from now, these guys are going to be losing money. So they're so there's different factors, but basically the rates are, are mirroring the tre treasury. So as treasuries go up, conventional is going up, the non-QMs are going up. Non-QMs about a percent more than conventional. So conventionals, like yesterday, were average around 5.5% for homeowners, 6.5, 6.75 for investors Got it. Uh, at, at, at par. Got it. So uh, you can buy the rates down, but... Um, Interest, um, and we've, we've got different sources of money. We've got hedge fund money, we've got insurance money, and we've got bank money. One of those three is always more competitive than the others, depending right. on where we are in the cycle. Right now, the bank money is the most competitive uh, source, and I'm getting investors in at 5.75%. That's still good, man. Um, well, we're just back to norms, you know, five years ago. Yeah. Five years ago, six years ago. That's where investor loans were. We were fine. 2017 was a nine and ten, you know. But uh, the problem is that the houses have appreciated about forty percent. Right. So those payments now are much higher. Much higher. And I'm having real problems getting people to cash flow on thirty year fix, and um, and meet the DSCR requirement. For those of you who don't know what DSCR is, it just means basically you have to have ten percent cash flow. Yeah. Your rent has to be 10% more than your PITI payment. Right. And as long as you got 10% cash flow, you can get 80% financing. So this DSCR is debt to service and what's debt coverage? CR? Yeah, debt service coverage ratio. Debt service coverage ratio, co correct. So and all that means is cash flow. Right, right. Um, now, if you're refinancing possibly at 70%, then yeah, you may have. Yes. Oh, yeah. Because the only way to beat that DSCR is to lower the loan amount. That's, and that's the key, man. That's why I tell people, buy at 70% minus repairs. Buy at 70% minus repairs. Yeah, if you're mm -hmm. lucky enough to be able to cash out 80%, good for you. But if you can do 70% minus repairs, and then you can do a 75% cash out, you're not going to have very much money, if any, in the deal. So, yeah. um, and I've got guys walking away with, still in this market, still walking away with, Big chunks of money. They just they did it right. They bought it right, fixed it right. It appreciate you know they forced the appreciation, and they're walking out with um, big chunks of cash. Big check, and we that's have, that's they pay zero taxes on that. 
uh, and is one gal, she just did a three. She did a triplex down by TSU, and um, uh, she walked away with um, after she refinanced. It's like seventy thousand bucks. Wow. Um, on a uh, about seven hundred thousand uh, uh, value dollar valued property. Wow. So she did, and that was her first deal. Wow. And um, well, sometimes they call that beginner's luck, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, so my first deal, I was probably under seventy thousand bucks, you know. <laughs> yeah. So she went through a mentoring, a mentoring program, and the guy's really good. That the, the mentoring guy, and so she had some really good coaching and stuff, and um, so um, she had some good help and and just hit it out of the park. That's rare, right? That's, yeah, it that, is that, rare. That, that's the one out of a thousand doing that one. And, and we see those like if you if you're long enough in real estate um, investing and then you start networking with a bunch of people and all that, you're gonna see the ones that got lucky on their first deal. Like they either, either did a, a big flip and it went well, or they got their first wholesale contract on the first phone call. Actually, another uh, videographer I have, his name is Sheik. Uh, the the way he got into real estate. And now he's the videographer for many guys around the country. Is he went to start cold calling for a uh, of some friends of mine in in, in San Antonio, uh, HBHS, and on his first call, he landed a forty thousand uh, dollar deal. <laughs> first call, it's like wow, you know. So um, just like this lady that she cashed out seventy grand. I mean, that's that's a slam dunk, you know. Yep. Cause the, and then the only bad thing about those for those people is that then they think it's like that all the time. Well, that's that's the whole industry right now, right? Yeah. Because any, any blind monkey can make money over the last four or five years because right. the market was just going up. Yeah. You know, re, uh, flippers who just messed up took twelve months to do a flip. They, they still, still came out they okay still because came the out property on top. came up 10, 20% more than it was. That's correct. I can't tell you how many deals we did where we had the ARV at a certain point at, and, at that time. And then it was higher. They messed up, took forever, and they sold the house for $100,000 more than they thought. So that extra. It's crazy. You know, $15,000 in the holding costs. I'll tell you what. So I bought a property, owner finance. Uh, I'll say it was two and a half years ago. And. The guy, the, so we were going to wholesale it. He took a $60,000 cash offer. But when I opened title, there was a memorandum of contract on it. And I knew that if I called, and, and, I, and I knew who, who the wholesalers were. I knew that if I called these people, they were going to want a lot of money out of it. And I said, you know what? This is not worth going after because, you know, they're going to want to have $20,000, $30,000 on, on an assignment or some crazy thing like that. I'm gonna assign it, so then I'm not. I'm gonna work for them as opposed to working for me. So I went to the to the owner and I said, "Look, man, you got a problem here. You got STDs on this thing, and this is what happened. Can you tell me what happened?" So he explained to me, and and I was like, "Okay, I get it. But those guys are gonna hold you hostage on this memo. And now I'm willing to buy the property with a memo in place. I'll get rid of the memo later on." but you have to finance it to me. And he said, how does that work? And I said, look, you wanted originally 75,000 bucks for it? Owner finance it to me, I'll pay you the 75 that, 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 that you wanted, okay? But now I'm just gonna start making you payments every month. And I'll give you 5K down, that way, you know, I got a little bit of skin on the game. He said, fair enough. 
So I bought that property for 75. I gave him five, so he financed 70. Um, this is two, two and a half years ago. My payment, I think it was 749 bucks a month, something like that. That property is worth today $170,000. Did you get rid of that memorandum? Not yet. <laughs> uh, but because I, I, I mean, what, he, what, how are they going to win? You follow them? They, they, don't, they don't have a way to win. They, they didn't close on it. I closed on it. You follow mm -hmm. me? And, and I can sue them for many reasons, but uh, I'm just letting the memo expire, basically. They, they have an expiration date. And I'm probably a year away from that, so I'm okay. not even gonna bother. Um, but uh, but yeah, because of that appreciation that happened, now I look like a on that deal. I look like a wizard, mm -hmm. you know. It's not really that's not really the case. Good for it. I mean, if if the market corrects, then all that equity disappears, right? Um, but um, but that property is going on Airbnb, and it's gonna make a lot more money than it will be on a rental, because on a rental basis, it will make fifteen hundred bucks all day long. On Airbnb, it can bring all, up, up anywhere from three to four thousand dollars. So, um, you know, needless to say, uh, the properties out there, and and that's how we're negotiating every single deal right now. Yeah. It's owner financed to us. I only got what seven years left on the loan now, seven or eight, something like that. So, all I got to do is wait, and the thing is paid for. So, um, now I could cash out, and I'll cash out probably a, a ton of money if we do the math right now. And let's let's say my numbers are right. Uh, in today's um, you know environment, so let's say it's a hundred. Let's say it's one hundred and sixty-five thousand, just to to play a safe number. Times you say you can do what eighty percent or seventy-five percent. If your FICO is over seven sixty, we can get you eighty percent on seven sixty. Seven sixty. Okay, get, that's if, a high number. If, so uh, otherwise, well, on thirty-year fixed and stuff. Right. If it's less, if it's over seven twenty, I can get you eighty percent on an interest. Let's only. say seventy percent. Okay, I like the seventy percent because it's safer. It's, it's safer. safer. There's room for for corrections. There's market fluctuations, right? And if the rents come down for some reason, which I highly doubt they will, because they always go up, um, then I, we still cash flow on the deal, right? Yeah. Uh, on a regular rental. So let's say seventy percent. That's one hundred and fifteen minus. We owe probably sixty on it now. That's fifty-five thousand dollar check that we could collect. Uh, now I now I'm on a 30 year loan, but or however many loan mm -hmm. the years that loan is, um, but uh, but you got money to put to work, right? So yes. if you're doing deals that are returning right. 50 100 percent, why not borrow money at less than six or six percent, so that you can make your 30 50 100 percent deals? Right. Right. So um, yeah, don't get over leveraged, but you want to use leverage. You know the. the uh, so one of the interesting things you said, you know, about, about the market, right? You know, right now, according to the, 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 the community I'm around, right, we're still 4 million homes short of being in yeah. supply-demand balance, right? right? And they can't build them fast enough. You know, I think we're at all-time high. Now, we talk, we're talking about the lower end, right, the, 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 the entry-level type properties, right? No, that's just nationwide. Nationwide, we're yeah, but it's like I guess below three hundred thousand dollars, or 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 is it all like luxury homes or everything? Well, not, not, there's not a whole lot of those out there anyway, right? right? But and we'll because yeah. I mean, honestly, man, I think today, how can people afford in Houston a five hundred thousand dollar home? That's a five thousand dollar payment, like yeah. mortgage in taxes because of the 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 way our taxes are here. 
right? They're high. People think you go to Katie and jeez. No, yeah, Katie's yeah. like you couldn't buy anything <laughs> in Katie right now. Like you know. Yeah, I wouldn't want to. I wouldn't want to be a five hundred thousand above homeowner, right? Right. There's people buying them. They think they're getting discounts and want to Airbnb them, but that's a huge risk. Uh, stick with the affordable housing. Yes. If you're an investor, just stay in that lane. Um, if you got a, especially if you, here, if you got a decent vacation rental or you know uh, some kind of resort or destination spot, that could be an exception. Yeah. But yeah, if you're trying to buy five, six, seven hundred thousand dollar homes, um, and you're you, and you're depending on AirDNA uh, rents to, to to pay it, that that's getting that, that's pretty risky. Yeah, I got a lot of friends that are actually in that lane. They're they're uh, they're they're doing luxury homes, but they're they're making money. Uh, the, the only the only problem I see, not that I know that we know is going to happen again soon, is like a COVID scenario, right? Um, where we get shut down. I don't think the governments will ever shut down again. It depends on who's in power. I mean, they uh, they, they they shut us down. <laughs> you couldn't evict people. You couldn't foreclose on people. Yeah. But but as investors, we had to keep paying, right? Right. I mean, Tom Barry made a good say. I was I was watching. I was listening to him the other night. Uh, talk how um, you know the government can come in and ruin your business. Same with oil and gas, right? It's Keystone Pipeline. You know the government came in and undid an approved deal. Right. And this look where, they, where we're at now with oil and gas. Oil and gas companies, they're not going back out and spend a whole lot of money here in the U.S. because they know the government can just shut them down. So what's Biden doing? He's going over to the Saudis and begging them to increase oil because the oil producers here, you know, they're not they're not going to they're not going to risk their money on a government who's anti oil and gas. Um, and they're like kind of anti business owner, right? I mean, if you're a small business owner and they, <laughs> they tell you, you can't evict, you can't foreclose, but you better keep paying. Otherwise your credit score goes down the tubes and you won't be able to do nothing in the real estate business without decent FICO, unless you're you gain owner finance deals. <laughs> right. So, yeah, I mean, and yeah, what I had to do, I had to develop a set of skills, out of a situation. Yeah. You were the master that you've been the master at reinventing yourself. Yeah. And moving from one adapting, pivoting to another. And now what you guys are doing, that's what I've always admired about you, man. You are crushing it every time you turn. Thank you so much. I, I, I had to create uh, Rick, you know, uh, it's, it's one of those things, right? Uh, um, I remember when we started going through all of our downfall, right? And I'm on. I owe money to everybody, literally, on, on properties that I couldn't finish. Because the, the problem was, I, I didn't have people to finish properties. That was it. And then the few properties that we finish, we put them on the market. They're worth thirty, forty thousand dollars less now because there's a flood of properties on the market that are being rehabbed after Harvey. So it was a perfect storm, man. You know, and I'll tell you the the, the timeline of that. So. And I don't know. I don't know if I've ever said this on the podcast. I probably have, but the timeline was like this: in July, 2017, Dennis and I—you remember Dennis, oh, right? Yeah. He's still my friend, my brother from another mother. Shout out to Dennis. He's actually very successful today building koi ponds all over Houston. So uh, he's doing—he reinvented himself another, as well. Another adapt. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yep. So, and I'll tell you a little bit of how that happened, but. Uh, in July, me and him are looking at Ferraris and Lambos. Literally, we were going to buy one each. He was going to buy a Lambo. He's a Lambo guy. I'm a Ferrari guy. And the main reason of buying those vehicles wasn't so much to show off or anything like that. 
it was because we were going to join both clubs to do what? Network. Raise private money. Because <laughs> the guys driving those cars definitely have money, right? Um, and he tell, his engineering mind says, hey, Ricardo, let's not, let's wait. Let's just wait, man. Uh, I don't, something doesn't feel right to me right now. Let's not buy these vehicles. I'm like, Dennis, we're making all this money, man. We, we're good. We have money in the bank. You know, we, we were solid, you know. And we were buying properties left and right. And we were making money when we bought a property because we collected an assignment, you know, because it, it was a wholesale deal that we were generating for ourselves. Um, but also we were getting rehab and, and we had a construction crew. And so we were making money in multiple lanes in, a, in our own business before we even put these properties back out on the market to sell or to rent. He tells me to wait. Let's, he says, let's wait until December. Let's, let's do it in December. We'll do it December for Christmas. We'll do something cool for us. I said, you know what? Fair enough. Let's, let's, I'm going to listen to him. Usually I, ne I never listen to anybody, but I listen to him. And I'm glad I did because we would have looked like two dumbasses <laughs> going broke driving those cars, you know. Harvey hits. And when Harvey hits... I really don't think of much from, from the general contracting side. I'm just watching, I'm just making sure my properties are not flooded, right? So I, as soon as the water was low enough to where we can go and check, I had a dually just like yours, a white dually, Ram 3500. <laughs> I got on that thing because I said, if something is pulling through that water, is that dually. So we got on that dually and we started going to all of our properties and we found out that we have five rentals flooded. Now those five rentals, we're part of that deal from those two guys that I was buying out, okay? Jose and Brian, shout out to them. They're still friends. Um, and what I did was I pulled the guys from the rehabs and I said, guys, let's go finish these rentals uh, because we got to put the people back on. That way we don't lose that income. And because it was chaos, man. At that time, we're in chaos now in Houston. Like houses are flooded all the way to the ceiling. This was freaking something crazy out of this world. I would never seen it, right? So the guys get back on these five properties. They fix them up. And then that cost us a little bit of money. But we had money. So it wasn't, it wasn't, uh, it literally, it was a drop in the bucket for what was, what was going to come next. Tenants are back on the properties. Everybody's happy. And when it's time for me to go back in rehab, oh, this is another thing. We had 20 properties on escrow that we were going to wholesale, not 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 rehab, because mm -hmm. we were we are we are now starting to wholesale deals, and that all the numbers were beautiful, like and we had houses in Dickinson. I mean, it, these are good areas, you know that cookie cutter houses that you just clean up, beautify a little bit, put it back on the market, make a good spread. So we had a lot of private money lined up for that, for those hotel deals. And Harvey happens. I got to close on these hotel deals now within like a week because they were all coming right after that. I had 27 rehabs going, okay? <laughs> 27 rehabs, yep. I had 27 rehabs going, and now I got 20 hotel deals. I don't see anything crazy because my guys are still working for me. I close on them. And I said, I close on them. That's when they walk out. 
And that's when I say, holy shit, what do I do now? I got 47 properties on my hands. I got private money paying out every month, almost 250 grand a month at the time. Um, now, we have money. So me as a borrower, I just wanted to do the right thing. I'm going to honor my commitments to my lenders, right? Uh, and you know a few of those guys. You yep. know, I had a couple of those guys that, 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 that loaned us a lot. of. One of them had a million dollars. There was another one that had $3 million with us. They were a little worried, but we were doing whatever we could to to honor those commitments. And that's what, you know, we started finishing properties, and these properties will go on the market, and they wouldn't sell. Because now there's so many of them. And now we're like, well, this is, and this is in good areas. Jersey Village, for instance, right? You put something in Jersey Village today, five minutes, it's gone. Yep. They probably buy a sign on scene, right? These things are dragging on the market for 10 months, man. And we're like, pain, pain. And so that's what forced us to become wholesalers. We just couldn't produce enough money to the amount of liabilities we had. And at some point, I, I got houses foreclosed on. I had to give back some some back to the lenders. 99% of those transactions, we ended up amicable, like in good terms or in okay terms. Like I lost a lot. They didn't lose much. They probably lost, you know, uh, what do you call this? Uh um, interest because they couldn't collect interest for for some months, but they they didn't end up getting fucked. Basically, lose principal. They didn't right. make all the money. Right. right now, the other two percent, those are the ones that that chose to go a different route and and they started suing and all that stuff. So, um, but yeah, that's how it happened. It was a perfect storm. Yeah. You know, you had twenty seven rehabs, then you get the Harvey happen. Then your crew walk walks away. It's funny because I met up with um with um <laughs> the my son is going to school and his father. Uh, I met him. Hey, nice to meet you, Ricardo. He's looking at me. I said, like, "Man, I know you from somewhere." And I was like, "I don't know where. Like, I, I don't. I I don't remember you." Like, he said, "Do you used to like buy houses and fix them?" And I said, yeah, I used to work on your cruise. So the guy was used to work on my cruise. And I was like, really? How long ago was that? And he says, somewhere around 2017, when I just got here to Houston, and I was in one of your crews. And that's when the hurricane happened. And that's when we went and left because there was so much money out there. And I look at it, I'm like, man, don't remind me of that. <laughs> you know? But I didn't have anything against the guy. I mean, it, honestly, what would you do if you're in his shoes? Yeah, you're gonna make the money when you can make it. You know, yeah. I, I'm paying these guys maybe 200 bucks a day, and now they're going to make a thousand. Come on, man! How do you compete against that? Yeah, there's no competition. So that's what started a whole thing, right? So I we I had to reinvent myself. That's how I became a wholesaler. And and you know, and Dennis one day, um, I go to his house after we were working on a house somewhere, and um. I go to the patio, to his patio, and I see this beautiful pond above the ground. Big, big. It's like, I don't know, it's like a 10 by 20, something like that. And I said, man, what is that? And he's got a waterfall, and, and he's got this big fish, beautiful fish. They're orange and blue and red. He said, oh, that's, my, that's what I do for therapy. It's my koi pond. And I'm looking at this thing, and I said, dude, and we're drinking a beer. And I was like, dude, why don't you do this for a living? 
What do you mean? I mean, you're good at it. Like, this is beautiful. Like, if you like this, there's people out there that like this as well. He's like, yeah, I'm actually the vice president of the Koi Club in Houston. <laughs> and I was like, what? Who knew? And I was like, what? Really? And he's like, yeah. And I was like, why don't you offer this as a service? You know, you build it for them. So he didn't think there was a business uh, case because he didn't think people would pay for that. He was completely wrong. Eventually, he figured out that there was a business case behind it. And actually, that is a rich person's hobby. So most people that raise koi fish are rich. They're not poor because those things are expensive. And now he's been building koi ponds in River Oaks and, and you name it, you know. So, so he reinvented himself. I pushed him because for a while he, didn't, he was hesitant. But we had to figure out what to do with our lives, you know. And obviously wholesaling wasn't producing enough for both of us and to cover all the, the liabilities we had. Um, but you know, it's 2022 and out of those 47 properties, I still own two. Okay. So, yeah. Uh, and then a lot of them either got sold or I had, I, I did four did he lose that we agreed on and maybe, maybe more, maybe six, but they were ready. Most of them, two of them weren't ready, but we, we did some, I put some cash Gave them some cash that way they could finish the, the rehab. Um, and then the other ones were ready. So the, the lender said, no, I'll take care of it. Don't worry about it. Um, and then, uh, and I say this publicly, guys, because this may happen to you. you have to, yeah, you need to stress test your investments. Yeah. Right now, obviously, Harvey is a stress that will break a <laughs> lot of people, right? That broke I mean, a lot of people. I mean, you, you have the, uh, your, your typical little ups and downs, and you got Harvey. So yeah, you a couple other guys that were scaling it, you know. Be careful about trying to get bought into the scaling. The stuff scaling, yeah, because it, not for everybody, and you can definitely uh, in the Gulf Coast you can you can get spanked. Yeah, if I if I was gonna redo it over again, which I won't, because it, it requires it requires too much energy, energy hiring people. Uh, I remember Rick, I put that 2017. Actually, in 2016, the year before, when we were ramping up, I mean, this is when we're going like crazy, right? I put 50,000 miles on a Mercedes-Benz I had and 83,000 on a Dutch Ram truck I had. In one year? In one year. That was 130-some thousand miles. Because most of my rehabs were far away. They were in Brazoria, Lake Jackson, uh, Angleton, you know. Uh, it was down south for the most part. And it's because... Every day I went to every house I was working on, and I would do a tour, you know, and, 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 and we'll have people working in every single house. That's how I started raising so much private money. I, I didn't even have to raise it, to be honest with you. What happened was I will get a guy like you uh, that had a little bit of money. You come on my, on my truck, we ride, and you go to a house that you see work getting done, then you go to another one that's finished, then you go to another one that's rented, then you go to another one that's being worked, and, and you go from saying, hey man, I don't have 80 grand, I have 500 grand, how, do I, how can I put this money to work? <laughs> yep. That's how I raised $15 million worth of private money. Yep. It was given, it was like, take it, take it. Look, there's a guy, that lender you know, uh, I'm not gonna mention his name, but you know this guy. I was going through all this shit. Like, I'm wondering, like, what in the hell am I going to do, right? He calls me and said, hey, Ricardo, I got a few million dollars. 
I was in Florida at the time. I don't, I can't remember what I was doing, but I was at a hotel room in Florida. I will say the first name. His name is Scott, and I said, Scott, I'm not your guy, man. He's like, what do you mean? You're doing all these rehabs. I said, I'm not in a good position right now. I don't want to know anything about a loan. I don't want to take a penny more from anybody. I just want to clean my plate. And, you know, until I figure that out, you might as well keep your money. I can probably quarterback you to somebody else that may need it, but I'm not the guy. He's like, man, I really appreciate you saying that. Because, in, honestly, I could have taken more money from more people, but the, the hole would have been, you know. And there's some people that did. Yes. Yeah, right? Yeah, yep. some people did. Knowing they weren't going to be paying it back. Yeah. 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 No, I didn't want to do that. And, and, and that was, I guess, to your point, scaling. Um, I like scaling wholesaling. Why? My marketing is my risk. That's it. That's it. Yeah. And you got VAs. And we got yeah, VAs. So our, our overhead now is, is lower. Yeah. Right? Um, when you're scaling a flipping operation, there's so many variables there. And we had it down. Like, we had a system. Yep. The system was, was rock solid. Yep. But we weren't counting on no Harvey. And yep. that was an unknown that came out of nowhere. Now, if I would have known how Harvey was going to affect our flipping business, I would have never closed on those extra 20 properties. I would have just let him go. Let him go. Yep. Because what, what that did is that increased now our liability, more work we had to do. Yeah, but there's no way you could have known what was going to happen, right? I don't see the crystal who, ball around who, here. Who knew you know? Harvey was just going to sit here on top of us for a week and just dump us? Usually these hurricanes come and go, and but this was a that was an anomaly, right? Yeah. That was that was crazy. It, it was it was crazy, right? And 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 look, I'm grateful I went through that through that through that. Even with all the scars and all the bruises that I got out of You're it, you're a better man for it, right? Well, now I know really what I want to do, right? Um, I was scaling a flipping business out of necessity. I wasn't scaling it because it was cool to scale. I left the oil and gas business in 2015, and the only way I could see paying myself big chunks of money was to go do a lot of flips. So, you know, I was replacing my income with this new job because it was a job. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely is a job. It is a job, <laughs> and you know when you put 108 and, and 30 some thousand miles on a on a truck, in, in a car in a year, you're driving a lot, man. And, and you know, and, and you're leaving at 8 a.m. and you're not coming back home until 9 p.m. Yeah, I mean, if you come back home at 9 p.m. So uh, people got this idea: oh, I gotta scale, I gotta scale, I gotta go big, I gotta go wide. I see a lot of my friends doing that right now, nationwide, right? And I'm like, man, you have no idea the 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 situation you're putting yourself in right now. If you got, if it's a business, right? And if you have the right construction management and the right people, you can. You have to have the people in the processes in place to do it. Without the right people, especially watching your contractors, you're going to get taken to the cleaners. You got to watch your money. You got to watch your contractors, and they have people in place. Yeah, well, but before that, the that's not for everybody. Uh, not everybody has that bit, that ability to run a multi-million-dollar business like that. No, if they're good DIY people. They're good fix and flippers. They're just going to be good at doing one or two at a time. They're Why not going to be good at doing a hundred a year. No, no. And other people can do two hundred, three hundred a year, but they've got the systems and the people in place. So, yeah, if I had to do it over again, I would do it in multiple cities. 
And I will have a rehab, let's say one in San Antonio, another one in Houston, another one in Dallas, then another one in Oklahoma City, then another one. My eggs will be all spread out. And then I will have now multiple contractors working on multiple projects to where if something happens on the East Coast, I'm not affected on, on you know. You have all your eggs in one basket. Right? So, But I had all my eggs here in Houston because I wanted to keep these properties also. Some of those properties weren't going to be rentals. Uh, and I was under the idea that I had to have my rentals around me at the time. Now I don't, I'm like, I could care less where they are. If I have one, I don't, I don't even have that many anymore. Um, I'm not, I don't like it. I don't like being a landlord. I was telling you earlier before the podcast, um, it's a necessary evil, you know, it keeps yeah. your tax bracket lower, you know, you can write off things and things and, you know, talks to a CPA about that. Now let's talk about this, Rick, cause this is where you're real good at. I think in my opinion, other than than servicing your clients uh, through your lending business, is you're good at ma making, I wouldn't call them predictions, but you're good at reading where we're going. You know, seeing what interest rates are doing, what lenders are doing, um, what the how the market is behaving. Where you do, where do you think we're headed in the next twelve to thirty six months? Yeah, so I think it's you know. Now, this is just me, right? Based on the people that I'm, I'm, I'm surrounded by a really good nationwide network. That's the power of the masterminds. You invited me to that mastermind. I haven't, I haven't committed to it yet because I got well, like three other ones going on. But you know, COVID, COVID killed a really good one. It was called Good Success. Oh, yeah. Uh, it was a faith-based real estate mastermind group. Amazing people. Uh, is that the one in me. Indiana? Or? It was one in, based out of Indiana. Okay. If you knew guys like Eddie Wilson... Uh, Tom Olson, these guys were, were part of that mastermind. Uh, Wendy Sweet, uh, some of these, some of the, some of the biggest ones, um, because people around were, were in that one. I mean, Collective Genius is a big one, right. but it was right next to that one. It's great people. But here's here's an interesting couple of interesting facts people don't may not be aware of. But I have a meetup the last Wednesday of the month at, at Quest. Yeah, and we do a market update. Um, which I think a lot of people that come there want, want to hear the market update stuff. So there's a few other people in town that are they're, they're pretty good at, at keeping up with that. But, you know, there's, a, there's an excellent chance we're going into a recession, right? Historically, when inflation got above 5%, there was a 45% chance we were going into a recession 12 months, within 12 months. All right, that milestone hit uh, the second quarter of 2021, we went over 5%. And now, today the numbers were like 8.6, 8.7, which is BS. We're probably more like 14, 15%. It's, it's worse than they want to advertise. I think it's but higher than that, even the 14, 15%. It man. could be, right? It could be. Just, you know. I mean, look at cars. Uh, but now, the car's got a chip problem and all that. But look at houses. I'm, you know, even watches and things, things that I'm like, you're like, what? You know, yeah. gas, you know. Yeah, we'll, get, we'll get to that in a, in a minute, right? right. So that's pretty cool. Uh, but then, so 45% of the time when inflation hit over five, we went into a recession within 12 months. When uh, unemployment got below 4%, 42% of the time we were in a recession within 12 months. That 4% number hit the first quarter of 2022 this year. Mm -hmm. When both of those happened at the same time, we went into a recession every time within 12 months after that. 
So historically, we're we should be it's on almost, it's almost a certainty. Now, every cycle is different than the previous cycle. Right. Things aren't always the same, but the government is increasing the Fed rate by design to slow the economy down. You know, infl- what's inflation? Inflation is just too many dollars going after the same goods. Right? We, what the U.S. printed six trillion dollars over the last several years. Right. And Europe and the other countries printed four trillion. So there's ten trillion dollars out there looking for yield. Right. So why are <laughs> why are why are things you know going nuts? You know, you got all this money out there. You know, look, looking for deals. We'll get more of that. So, but by design, the Fed's increasing um, the, the Fed rate. So how does that help cure inflation? What they're trying to do is trying to make money too expensive to be doing stuff. If the interest rates get high, your, your projects that were economic are no longer economic. The numbers don't right. work. They're trying to slow down the economy. Well, slowing down the economy means not doing projects, not doing big deals, right? If this company... It's not going to work when my interest rate is twice as high as it was when I thought it was going to work. Same with buying a house, right? This house right. works when I can get 3% money. It doesn't work if I'm getting 6 or 7% money on right. it. So they're slowing the economy, but by default, that means people are going to be losing jobs. Right. By default, that means unemployment is going to be going up. Right. The government can't say that, right? The government can't say, we're going to put you into a recession. Yeah, they'll, they'll create we're going, chaos. We're going to try to do a soft landing, but... There's almost no way they're going to do a soft landing, right? Employment's going to go up. Yep. And um, so we're, we're running out of time. So I'll, I'll try, no, that's good. try to be quick. No, but, anyway, so we, but we're going to, so there's a good chance we're going to go into a recession. Right. People are going to be losing jobs. Um, now, this is, this is nationally speaking, right? Fortunately, I think we're in the Houston market. Right. Houston's always been... Little it's gonna less, be a stable market. A little more stable than the rest of the country, right? Yeah, um, Florida, Nevada, uh, California, New York. Those things yeah. they they just Florida, deflate. Texas. Yeah. yeah, but Texas and but Texas and Florida are hot, right? Yeah, we're gonna stay hot. Um, what's interesting now is because of COVID, as you know, a lot of people are now having their own businesses, right? A lot of people left corporate, right? And they've they've started their own little small business. What's going to be interesting during this recession is how many of those people can hang. Can survive. Because that's, you know, when you start your own business, usually it takes you a couple, two, three years to get going. To break even, you, to see right? money. So we're always seeing now the high energy prices, that might be a blessing in disguise. You know, Rick, you're, now you're actually absolutely nuts. Everyone is tuned out. But because of high energy prices, people aren't driving as much. They're not doing as much. It's taking more money out of their wallets. They're not buying as much stuff. That may be... By design as well as uh, keep not, them. Not, not buying stuff, right? If keep them buying, from moving. I mean, if you're not buying stuff, that's what you also hear the word demand destruction. The government, what they're trying to do is demand destruction. They're trying to destroy the demand for stuff so that inflation comes down. So if you don't have as much demand for lumber, lumber is going to come down. If you don't have the demand for cars, car prices will come down. So you'll hear that term, demand destruction. So the government, that's what they're trying to do is slow everything down so those, you know, the, the demand's not there, and then the supply and demand get back in balance, inflation comes down. This is all going to take time. Uh, you know, this economy is so superheated right now, and there's with, with 
the Russian war and just droughts and there's all kinds of things that are hurting uh, supply, supply shortages. China, you know, locked down the country recently again, is now opening it up. There's this huge, uh, still supply shortages. Good thing lumber's down. Uh, look at lumber futures. It was down to like 562. It had been up over 1,000. So lumber prices are getting, getting back in track. We, you know, we builders can get windows again. Uh, so the, the supply disruption is not as bad as it was. But there's a good chance we're going into recession if history proves to repeat itself, even though things change. But in Houston, well, historically, I, was, I had some slides I was going to show. Except for the 2008-2009 downturn, though, the real estate business has done well. Because every time the Fed pumps up rates, afterwards, interest rates fall. Every time. I was going to say, um, I mean, you, you, they can't yes, what, I'm, what I'm going to do, guys, with Rick, because Rick has got these beautiful slides. I'm going to create a call that we're going to do on YouTube. We're gonna we're gonna stream this uh, sometime in the next three weeks. We can we can put the date on it. Um, that way, uh, three weeks from releasing this video. So I don't know when that's gonna happen. Um, but we're gonna we're gonna. I'm, I'm, let's, I want to go through that presentation with you because I think this is a hot topic and it's a pretty good topic to to go around. Right. But every every recession we had, then um, then boom, real estate rates go down. Right. So that's one of the reasons why we're we're really helping investors understand how to get loans on your properties right and right now the interest only loans are pretty much the way to go because you can keep doing that if you have a good deal do it that real estate is going to be more expensive a year from now prices aren't going to stay at 20 percent appreciation so you, you don't think real estate will will uh, real estate prices will correct no 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 it's not going to be like 2008 2009 there is no bubble there's a shortage yeah 2009 was a bubble after in 2010 let's clarify that because this is a good this is a good topic so so we're we're headed into a recession we just don't know when the recession will hit right we just don't know what the gravity of that recession is going to be and it may not be a recession a recession is defined by two quarters of negative gdp we've right we had the first one right we'll know uh but this next quarter if we're in the, an official re the recession is hindsight you don't really know you're there but it's all being set up to, to go that route. But I want to clarify that a recession doesn't mean that prices of real estate are going to tank. That's exactly right. Because it's... Okay, it, no, because people, when you when you say recession, people remember they go back to 2007, right? right. 2008. Right. Oh, the debacle the, the, the is going to come and, and we're going to go and, 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 yeah. and, and you're going to buy cheaper and this and that. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Hold no. on a second. But here's the interesting thing, right? And you, you're going to hear the media talk about in the future... Oh man, the market's going to crash. It's not. In the last couple of weeks, um, new home sale applications have dropped dramatically. You, everyone because knows of the interest. Because of the um, interest rates and such, right? So the market has, the applications and home sales have dropped in the last couple of weeks dramatically. So the, the media is going to play that as, all right, we're going to have a, you know, a, a price collapse. It's not, not true. We're just not going to have 20% appreciation. We're going to get back to the healthier, normal levels, I believe, which is still good. I mean, if, if I get 5%, 6% appreciation a year, hey, I'm, I'm happy with that. Right. Uh, we're just not going to see, you know, 10 20% appreciation. Houses are going to, the, the rate of, of price increases is going to slow down. We may even see a pause 
But as long as there is a demand shortage, there is no bubble. Right. right? You still, yeah, we're still for years from meeting supply and demand, but stay in the affordable lane. Don't get outside that affordable, you know, it used to be a hundred thousand dollar homes, right? Yeah, that's what I like. Two, I like the three hundred thousand and below. Three hundred and below. Three hundred and below. You know? hundred one hundred thousand. Yeah, it, well, you know, three hundred and below in nationwide, right? Yeah. Here in Houston we're looking at two hundred thousand because three hundred thousand is already getting into the the the, the, the fancy the builders can't even build homes for two hundred thousand hardly. No, no, no. It's cost so too you much. Two hundred thousand below is you can find those deals, they're not building those anymore. Uh, there's no money in for, for builders. So you know, stay in that lane, and it's not it's not sexy, but profitable and, and not much. Risk. And it's safer. And safer. And talk to us about, well, then, the, then the thing is, well, what am I supposed to do, Rick? Am I supposed to sit on my cash? Or, no, no, because no. your cash is going to be worth 10% or more or less this time this year, you know. But I need some gunpowder for next year. If the market does get better, I need some gunpowder. Guys. Money is cheap right now and easy to get. You need enough money for down payments. Yes. You don't need, it's not like your dad's time where I need cash to go buy stuff. Right, right, right. You can get non-QM, you can get money from private money lenders, hard money lenders. You just need enough for the, for the gaps. So if the numbers work, do it because that house will be more expensive a year from now and two years from now. I get, I get that question asked on our channel all the time. Should we wait? No, the time to no. buy is today. Today is still the best day to buy a house looking forward. It's not going to be any cheaper. You may get it as cheap, but no. I doubt it. Historically, uh, historically, Rick, look, to predict the future, all you got to do is go to the past. And if you look at the price today of a home that was built in the 60s, right, those houses were selling on the 60s for... Fifteen, twenty, thirty thousand dollars. Okay, I see them all. You see them all the time too. You're buying them, right? I've, I've bought houses where I, I saw the original, you know, mortgage it was like thirty-two thousand dollars right. on one I bought over off of I ten. Right. And the house today is worth two hundred thousand. Actually, it's probably a or, lot more. Or it could be even right? more. Yeah. So, so if you're playing the short-term game, which is I want to get rich tomorrow, that's what ninety-nine percent of the people do. They want to buy today and be able to sell tomorrow for $30,000 or $40,000 more or whatever the number is. But if you really want to be an investor, you're looking at 10 to 15 years from now. So for you to know what your property is going to be worth 10 to 15 years from now, go 10 to 15 years back. Because now you're going to, you're going to be able to, to say, okay, this, this property I'm buying for hundred grand today, 10, 15 years back was actually 50 grand. What does that mean? That doubling price. Yeah. So if you're buying today at 100 grand, what do you think is going to happen in 10 to 15 years from now? The same thing, because real estate just continues to go up with inflation. Yeah. Let me put a little thing out there. Um, so my email address is rick at kcifunding.com. I've got this rental evaluator, and I was showing this at our meetup um, the other month, where even if you were having almost no cash flow, just with the principal buy-down and appreciation, Investors are getting like 40, 50% returns. That's why some of that's why a lot of you guys are getting outbid because there's investors that got money. They don't need the cash flow. They're betting on, they're controlling. on, on the future. And they're with controlling. The, yeah. With the principal buy down and appreciation alone, they're getting 30, 40, 50% return on their money. Right. Of course, it's leveraged. 
uh, it's not you know, total cash on cash. Right. You throw in positive cash flow, the returns are 100. percent And I've got a real estate evaluator where you can play with the numbers and see that. So if you if you give me uh, an email say, hey Rex, saw the podcast. Can you shoot me over your rental evaluator? Awesome. It's a simple spreadsheet. So it's Rick at KCIfunding.com. Awesome. Well, Rick, thank you so much for coming in today, brother. It's always a pleasure. We're going to do that Zoom call. That way we can go through your through your presentation. Pretty, pretty cool, man. Uh, yeah. That'll be pretty cool to do. And, and guys, don't forget to uh, hit share, like, and subscribe. I don't know if this is coming before a 10 growth. I doubt it. But if you didn't attend a 10 growth.com uh, in Houston, Texas, June 24, 25, 26, I want to see you on the next one. I believe we're going to do it in Orlando, Florida. Uh, this is my last event in Houston. Uh, so if you didn't come to Houston, then you're out of luck. Rick, unfortunately, won't be able to make it because he's got another commitment already that weekend. Uh, but don't forget to hit share, like, and subscribe. Find Rick, uh, Katie Capital. Uh, he's got good rates, good money. Uh, and by the way, this is not a sponsored uh, program. He's just my friend, and I wanted to talk to him about what the market is doing and, and, and all of that. But they do have great, great rates. They're doing loans all over the country now. I love to support his business. So feel free to reach out. And, and for those of you that, that are in the Houston area, hit me up. I got a few months left over here. I'm going to be leaving pretty soon. Hopefully by next year I'm out. And I looked, I'd like to shake your hand before, uh, before I, I'm out of here. So with that being said, guys, I'll see you on the next one. Bye.